This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. From MPB Think Radio, this is Now You're Talking. It's a show about the most interesting people and stories in Mississippi, and we have a very interesting story today. Looking forward to it. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. I'm editor-at-large of Mississippi Today. Also, I've drawn a few million cartoons in the last 25 years here in Mississippi. But I tell you what, even before my time, a little bit over 50 years ago, the state of Mississippi launched a new concept in education and communication you're listening to it right now, by the way. It's public broadcasting. Of course, it originally started with public television. Um, but there were a few twists and turns along the way. And, you know, because I'm always fascinated on how the sausage is made, we're going to get to find out how this wonderful, uh, fantastic piece of sausage that we call MPB was made back all those years ago. And we've got a couple, well, we've actually got three really great guests in today. We've got former legislators Walter Brown and Jim Robinson are going to be joining us here in just a second. And also Ronnie Brown. Uh, Ronnie Brown. Uh, there you go. Uh, Ronnie Agnew, a man who I have known and worked for for the last 25 years. So thanks, Ronnie. I'm, trying, I'm about to say, that's it was, one name you shouldn't be messing no, up. No, I shouldn't be messing that up. And it, a couple it was chicks. fun working for Mississippi today. I mean, and um, MPB, but I'm no longer working for MPB after that last one. So there you go. Anyway, Java, it's good to see you, my friend. Yeah, good to see you, Marshall. Big weekend? Yeah, man. It's always a, good, a big weekend in my world when uh, Jackson State University pulls off another football win you guys have like literally done the biggest flip ever well i mean, I mean it it, it kind of things are very trendy and it it, it uh, doesn't escape the gridiron so we're in our uptrend right now things no that's are, a good thing things are looking really really good with the uh swag east champs so we're going to the uh swag championship game which will be hosted here in the capital city of Very jackson nice. veterans memorial stadium december 4th see you there yeah. um <laughs> but uh yeah it's it's been it's just fun man it was good watching the game i'm surprised so. you're not wearing your swag east gear right now well i haven't made it to the bookstore yet but you know i, I always keep jack state in my heart so man y'all can't have all the fun now, Marshall. You know, the well, Ole Miss, Ole Miss out. Rebels pulled out a <laughs> pretty say, big yeah. victory. Yeah. You know, uh, ESPN game day was on campus. Yes. You saw that, that's right? right? That's right. And, and you saw Ole Miss pull off a win that, you know, you know Texas A&M beat Alabama. You know that, right? Yeah. We, yeah, yeah, yeah. You saw what we did to Texas A&M on Saturday, Of course, right? Mississippi well, State right, right now right. is going, well, you know, wait, we so, beat them too. But Mississippi right. State also so, had the miracle comeback also. That was, that was an amazing comeback. It was 28-7 to <laughs> in the second quarter. Yeah. And, they and I said, well, yeah. this thing is over, but wow. Best give comeback the, ever. Yeah, give, yeah. The, give the Bulldogs all the credit in the world for coming back and not quitting. But I tell you, the Grove was electric during game day. And afterwards, I, I don't think I've seen that many people. There was probably more people there than there was at LSU this, this time. It was just so much fun. It was a great weekend. The weather was perfect. Only thing missing was Katy Perry. I know. I mean, so they had Lane Kiffin up there picking, and and so Lane Kiffin picks the University of Tennessee. I was like, "Are you trolling them, or what? What are you doing here?" And then, of course, he picked you know Mississippi State, and he was right on that one. But I think he did got eight right, so he did pretty yeah. well in the picker. But no, he was not Katy Perry. Yeah. Okay, no, I'm sorry, it just was not. But it it was fun. Um, definitely fun. I ran into Rick and, and Liza Lucer. I was going to throw them out there a little bit. They're uh, they're just legends here in Mississippi but you know Rick came up with the Believe It Mississippi campaign and was yeah. telling me how that worked and you know they like for six months you know because he was on an airplane flight coming back from New York and this guy literally threw out every cliche about Mississippi 
possible about no like i'm surprised you're wearing shoes you know that's sort of the thing <laughs> and rick was like well you're from new york do, do people like you get stabbed every time you come off the subway and do, do you have people like laying in the streets doing drugs because that's what i see on television and i like that like, i like yeah, that. so rick rick threw it back at him but they like for six months were trying to figure out where to go with this and just at one time literally sat there and all, they, almost every idea that they've done on those posters came out in one session yeah it's just incredible how creativity it goes but that was the nice thing about going up to the grove um because it's like I'm around people. It was see, it was my son's fraternity's parents' weekend, so I got to go to a fraternity party. Oh, which Ronnie knows my son, by the way, because my son used to come into Ronnie's office when he was two and carry on full conversations with Ronnie on that. You know what? I feel like I raised uh, those boys. <laughs> now Daniel, the oldest, the oldest Marshall son, uh-huh. yeah. was really kind of shy and kind of stand away. But David, David's like Uncle Ronnie. Yeah, yeah. So he's he would come to, to my you. office and. To know now that he is uh, a grown a grown man, uh, it just blows my mind. I mean, it just it really does. But I'm telling you, Marshall has raised some great kids, and it's just great to see them excel at everything that they do. And it's just been great. And I'll just say this about Jackson State: one more thing, and I know okay, you got to give Jonathan one, some one love here before I get to the show. Okay, that was a special moment when Deion Sanders was it was in a wheelchair actually an electronic wheelchair when his son R- like, went over to and embraced went, him went over yeah. to embrace him and it was like a it went on forever and it was like tears were flowing with his dad yeah and that yeah. was a special father son moment that I will never forget it was really really special so people out there in Radio Land who haven't seen that moment Go watch it because man, there was such love in that in that picture. It, it was because right after the final touchdown, the go I guess you can call it the go ahead touchdown, a winning touchdown throw, he went straight to the sideline, kind of dropped his helmet, just kind of like I'm going, like my dad is here, I'm going to my dad right. to yeah. share this moment. That's right. That was huge. And I have to tell you, you know, it's the difference that a really good coach can make. Not just, you know, because I remember Tennessee had a coach that was like brick by brick. You know, he's building this program. And then we get a coach that literally makes what few bricks they have think that they're Fort Knox. And Dion's done that with Jackson State. He's literally made people believe in kind of a Ted Lasso kind of way. That's the um, that's our, that's yeah. our, been our motto, I yeah. believe. Yeah, believe. I mean, it's just made all his personality. And I wondered when he came in, because obviously his background on coaching had not, he didn't have a real super thick um, resume. Yeah. But when he came in, he literally got everybody on board. And it was not just the team it's the university and like you said you see that flowing out into other areas and making other people believe as well i hope he sticks around i mean i know the tcu thing has come up and so forth yeah and that's unfortunate because i think some you don't even give a a a person just an opportunity you know to to build something or to start something it's kind of poaching you know as soon as you see a like because if it was a losing season it was the athletic commercials that did it well i I still i love those uh those commercials he's saving nick saving from himself (laughs) you know nick saving man he's got the personality of my cup or Right here, you know, but but he's like I said once again, yeah. fantastic football coach. But yeah, yeah, he's he's not super like fired up on the commercial or anything. And Dion comes in and with that big smile and everything. Yeah, lights things up. Yeah, definitely as well. Like like either one of them needed needed more money. Yeah, oh no, that's no, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're probably getting paid what's sitting in their couch right now that's falling out of their pockets. You know, on that. So they've done pretty well. Hey, one last question before we let's, we'll go to break here in just a couple minutes. But um, Java, I just want to ask you a question: Are you? 
one of those kind of people that's already listening to Christmas music and got your decorations up? Are you like after Thanksgiving, you know? Not yet. I, I always, I wonder why people just leapfrog over Thanksgiving. Like you don't yeah. give any break, but every commercial, Mariah Carey has already said it's Christmas season. Oh, she's, she's busted a, through she's the a door. Queen of yeah. Christmas. So, yeah, it's you know. almost like uh, The Shining with Jack Nicholson coming through with the axe. Here yeah, comes give, me, give me about a week or so, and, and I'll have, uh, you know, Temptations, uh, Merry Christmas in a little bit, but not right now. Now, I will admit, I was coming back from Memphis uh, yesterday and was listening to Charlie Brown Christmas. Oh, come on yeah. now. No, that's fine. It's a, the cool <laughs> jazz events you're already, I'll listen to. Okay, I'll okay. do that. But no, I'm not putting the tree up or anything like that. Yeah. And I've been, and usually I don't start till like the 21st of December to start Christmas shopping. This year with the supply chain issues, I think that probably be a very bad idea. I think everybody should kind of go ahead and get it get it over with because yeah, you just, don't want to be waiting. Right, you don't want to be waiting as much as my wife would like an ashtray bought from a convenience store. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I'm going to pull that one off this time, or I think it's, it would get pretty ugly as well. Well, I tell you what, we've got a great. Um, panel here folks today talking a little bit about something that is very near and dear to obviously our hearts and but yours too because you are an mpb listener and i know you're just probably thinking to yourself well how did you guys get started how did it all get going well you know what we got answers for you so we're going to take a quick break and when we get back we'll continue with the great show we're going to invite legislator former legislators walter brown and jim robertson to come in and ronnie agnew's in the studio as well he's the executive director of mpb this is now you're talking on mpb think radio Hey, this is Larry Morrissey with the Mississippi Arts Commission. I'm one of the hosts of the Mississippi Arts Hour, the arts interview show on Think Radio. Each week, myself or one of my fellow hosts bring you in-depth interviews with different creative Mississippians. We talk with visual artists, musicians, writers, as well as people who help bring the arts to their communities. We hear about how each artist learned their craft and get some insight into their creative process. You can hear the Arts Hour every Sunday at 5 p.m. on Think Radio, or listen anytime by subscribing to the show through your favorite podcasting app. You're listening to Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey on MPB Think Radio. To call the show, dial 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or email marshall at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio. Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey from Mississippi Today. You know, it's hard to believe that MPB is 50 years old. Well, actually, you know, being the, you know, 51 now, that's right, because February has passed. It's a whole COVID thing. I don't know what year it is. But anyway, yeah, it, it and I are about the same age. Um, it has weathered much better, to say the least. So, but, I, you know, I was kind of curious. How did it get started? Because, you know, sometimes things getting through the legislature, it's always an interesting and fascinating process. And got a call from, believe it or not, our guest today, Walter Brown, got in touch with us. And, of course, we're going to have Jim Robinson joining us as well. And they were in the legislature, and they were there when it happened. And, of course, we got Ronnie Agnew, who's the executive director of MPB. You can throw a little bit of context in as well. Walter, thank you. Good to see you, Jim. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Marshall. Glad to be here. Yeah, Jim, Jim, Jim um, we'll just go ahead and get started with you since you're on the phone. Um, you've had an amazing career in, in teaching and being part of political science. What possessed you to go from teaching to suddenly deciding to run for the legislature and being in the legislature? I've always had an interest in politics. My father was county superintendent of education at the time of my birth. 
had a grandfather who was in politics, a great uncle. So my people have been in politics for many, many years, and I have that as an ambition to actually run for the legislature. And when I told the young lady whom I hope to marry, namely Linda McSwain of New Augusta, Mississippi, that if she married me, she could expect me to run for the legislature. And despite that, she still decided to marry me, Marshall. I'm about to say, it's a good thing you didn't go into sales, because that's a pretty tough sales pitch right there. <laughs> I'm going to go into that. Well, i got to tell you this. You, you had an accident at one point and lost your sight. But uh, Walter is sitting here bragging on you here. I just want to let you know when he was in here talking a little bit about you. He said that when you got up to the podium and you spoke in the floor of the legislature, that people listened to you. Well, how nice of Walter to say that. And, and you, <laughs> could, you could imagine, Marshall, uh, when Walter spoke, people listened quite uh, intently. He and I had a wonderful association in the legislature. And as you'll be getting uh, into the important subject of uh, MPB, if it were not for Walter Brown and people such as he, uh, who knows what we would not have in Mississippi. Walter, uh, are you willing to uh, flesh that out a little bit and talk about some of the things that that happened? And and how long were you in the legislature? I I served 12 years from 1968 to 1980, uh, and my path was, I guess, in a way similar to Jim's. Uh, I I, I didn't – I I had worked in Washington as an intern during the Kennedy administration, and that sort of fired me up, plus the fact that my dad was on the county board of supervisors for 16 years. So uh, when I got out of law school – I got out of uh, law school, I – after a year and a half – two children, and it was uh, time to get something really profitable. I think the pay was in $1,500 a year or something like that. Uh, and I ran for the legislature and beat an incumbent, and uh, that was how I got started. So you represented and, Natchez, right? Yes. At yeah. that point in time, uh, pretty much just the city of Natchez. We, okay. had, we had two representatives, Mr. Johnny Junkin, who was Speaker of the House, Yeah, which made it very comfortable. Uh, in many ways, and at some point, sometimes a little controversial, uh, particularly in questions like uh, educational television. And but uh, uh, Jim was very kind to say what he said. There were actually a lot of players in this, and it might be well to go back. Uh, we talked about uh, explain how laws and sausage are made. Yeah, and people don't really need to know. That's the expression you often hear. Well, in this case, uh, the sausage was very interesting. Uh, Educational television had been, uh, quote, approved by the legislature in 1966, but it never really got off the ground. In fact, all that happened was uh, we we received some equipment, and I'm sure at no cost, uh, from the federal government, and we uh, it sort of set dormant for three years. And at that point in time, there was no authority as such. It was sort of under the R&D Center and under the IHL. And uh, in the 1969 session, uh, you know, when the governor calls a session, he only lists those things that he wants to hear. And Governor John Bell Williams was in office at that point in time. 
And so ostensibly it was a call to come to Jackson to address the subject of Medicaid and to uh, adopt the program of Medicaid. Uh, the governor called a session. At that point in time, I'm confident that Alton Cobb, who recently passed away and who was a, a great American in every respect, uh, I'm sure Alton talked him into it. Uh, and we did pass it at that session, but it wasn't an ordinary session. Uh, we had just gone through an eight-month session in 68, my first year, and Jim's first year in the legislature. And we had, uh, at that point, we were in biennial sessions. Yeah, but it was every other year you had the sessions. So, right. Yeah. So the appropriations uh, would come up in 68, 70, 72. But at the 1970 session, we did adopt, with Jim's help, annual sessions. But that's another story. Anyway, we came down or came up, depending on where you live, uh, for discussion of Medicaid. And this session, uh, the governor added highways to it because he was disappointed his 68 program had not passed. And before it was all over with, the subject of educational television was added, among some other things. And the reason that was was because the session lasted from July till October. That's incredible. That's, I, I, wow. I, I now understand why the governor may not have called a special session. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> he probably, uh, it, if you limit it to one, one subject, you can, you can get in and out. But this lasted three, three months, and in the middle of it, Camille hit. So there was, that was added, obviously, to aid to those folks on the coast. Uh, but, you know, we've all, your children and all seen this high bill becomes a law. Yeah. And that's those little diagrams and boxes, you see. This was different. Uh, you had uh, educational television in, in 1969 in the state of mind of Mississippi. Uh, there, were, there was a great deal of controversy about whether or not to actually put it on the air. We were in the last states to have it, too, weren't we? We were, uh, but we came along pretty quick. But in 69, and this happened at the national level as well, uh, the legislation was amended very simply. After educational television, you added and radio. Yeah. And they passed it in the Congress that way, and we got it down here, and we took it up at this special session in 1969. Uh, there were a lot of players, uh, and on reflection, after all these years, I realized how it really, where the impetus came from. It wasn't just folks in the legislature that were interested and concerned, but it was also uh, ladies' clubs across mm. across the state, yeah. particularly, you know, the the, the League of Women Voters, but uh, the. Women's Federation Club, Federation of uh, Women's Clubs, I think, was the key player, and the lady in charge of that at the time, a real who later became a legislator and was on IHL, was Marion Simmons, mm -hmm. and she played a major role in many respects. A great lady, uh, and she's largely responsible, I'm sure, for getting John Bell Williams to put it on the agenda. Uh, anyway, it came up, and uh, House Bill 78. I still got it. Uh, and it was referred to universities and colleges committee, which usually had maybe one bill a year. At that point in time, you had something like 
you know, 75 committees. Everybody was chairman of, of something. Uh, and it went to universities and colleges. It was chaired by a gentleman from Octavia Hall County, uh, Horace Hornard. And the last thing Horace wanted to do was to bring this bill out. But apparently the governor had said he wanted it out, and it came out. And it sounded simple, but it actually was more encompassing than, than you realize because it also, for the first time, legally made educational television an agency of the state of Mississippi, not just under R&D or under the college board. Uh, and that was a major, major event. Uh, during the debate on the, on the subject, uh, we had several amendments offered, uh, one to the traditional strike everything after the acting clause, and that failed. And then we had one uh, by Clark Reeves from Bogachilla to prohibit SECUS, a group that was uh, dealing with sex education mm -hmm. at the time, uh, and it failed. Uh, wow. Amazingly. Yeah. At, at this point in time, people started perking up and listening to the debate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, the, the bill passed, and it, that, it was monumental in the sense that it was, as I said, made ETV and public radio a, a, a state agency. Yeah. Which means you get an appropriation, but of course, at that in '69 we were not in an appropriation mode. That came up in '70, uh, and that was that was a session that uh, was noted. Uh, it was a regular session, uh, and you had to have an appropriation. So when it came up for appropriation, uh, the chairman Edgar Stevens from New Albany, I believe, in that area. He brought it out on the floor, and the committee, as not unusual, the committee making uh, appropriations committee would make a cha amendment or two, and they struck two million five hundred thousand dollars that had been requested, and down to three ninety, three hundred ninety thousand dollars, which to keep it warm for a little while longer. And a gentleman from up in Washington County, Frank Carlton, representative from. Uh, and Frank was not a bashful man or an unusual. Uh, uh, he was not bashful at all. He, Frank stood up, and people knew when Frank stood up something was about to happen. He was very smart, uh, and he walked up to the floor, to the podium, and read the, read the amendment and, you know, strike paragraph so-and-so, insert the following. Uh, take out $390,000 and substitute $7,200,000. And then we really got to listening close. Uh, and the speaker put it to a vote, and it was very, very loud to approve it. And the speaker did, as he often did on appropriations. It appears the nays have it. <laughs> uh. And, of course, immediately uh, the requisite number of people stood up and demanded a, a, a roll call vote. Yeah. And it passed. And... Uh, which was a shocker, I'm sure, to Mr. Junkin, because he had formerly been the chairman of appropriations. Uh, nevertheless, it did pass and, it, and, and went over to the Senate. Uh, but Frank's amendment, uh, uh, and as I said, Frank was an unusual man, uh, but everybody liked it. Uh, I think Frank Carlton could have been governor if he wanted to. Uh, that was how it was passed in the legislature, and that was how the appropriation in 1970 uh, 
And that's how it really became an agency of state. Government. So that's why in 1969, even the legislation passed then, it didn't really get started until 1970 because obviously we didn't have any money to that's be right. able to get things started a little that's bit true. on that. Rodney, well, does that remind you of the, uh, the appropriation process today a little bit? Um, let's just say that um, <laughs> it's still very interesting. Yeah. I remember the first director of MPB who served, I think, from 1970 to 1976. And I'll never forget this quote that was on the front page of the Clarion Ledger. He says, going over to the legislature and asking for an appropriation is like wrestling with octopuses. (laughs) (laughs) Jimmy, do you have any thoughts? Yeah, and and as you were wrestling, your hands would be tied. (laughs) Jimmy, I mean, we'll, we'll get to you in just a second. I tell you what, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll go. We'll come back straight to you and get your thoughts on this as well. And um, this is a great show, by the way. If you love MPB, this is how it was born, and it's kind of fascinating hearing how the process went. We got a couple great guests, and I appreciate them being here with us. With three great guests, sorry, Ronnie, not trying to throw you under the bus or anything. We got Walter Brown and Jim Robinson, of course. Ronnie Agnew's with us as well. This is now you're talking on MPB Think Radio. No matter if you use an app to start your car or still have a flip phone, Everyday Tech can decipher today's technology for tomorrow's solutions. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or the MPB public media app. You're listening to Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey from Mississippi Today. I tell you what, I hope you've been listening because this has been a great show. Uh, Ronnie even said that he's getting a good education on it, too. Um, yeah, I mean, the thing is, if you love MPB, and you do because you're listening to MPB, we love MPB, of course, because we're here at MPB. But it's always been kind of fascinating to see how it came to be. And, of course, the initial legislation was passed in, during a special session in 1969. Think about 1969. You had Camille hit Mississippi. You had the moon landing. It was Vietnam. I mean, it just was a kind of like different time. And Mississippi was one of the last states to get public television. And so uh, this has been fascinating. We have former legislators Walter Brown and Jim Robertson with us. On the, Jim's on the line. Walter's in the studio. And, of course, Ronnie Agnew, who's the executive director of MPB, is with us as well. If you have a question or comment and would like to give us a call, it's 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Jimmy, uh, you know, a little bit, you heard Walter telling a little bit how it went down a little bit. Is that how you remember it? It absolutely is. And though I think everyone would appreciate how difficult it was uh, for that to occur, but let's be explicit. The power structure of Mississippi did not favor that kind of an action. Mississippi, as we all know, is a very conservative state. That action on our part was viewed as being liberal, and the very use of the term would cause a chill to go up and down the spine of many people. So it truly was an extraordinary thing. And Walter Brown and I, you can believe me, are very happy that we had an opportunity to be a part of it. A wonderful institution. And Marshall, all of you do such a great job. Thank you on behalf of all of your listeners. 
Well, thank you, Jim. I appreciate that. It's um, I'm proud to work with such incredibly talented and gifted people. And, you know, you talk about that. You talk about being liberal or whatever. And I know that was it like four months after MPB got on or educational television got on the air, there was a big blow up about not running Sesame Street, which came up recently during the whole Ted Cruz Big Bird thing. So it's like that. So, yeah, I can see how that would cause a little bit. And here you are in the middle of this special session that literally had kind of taken on a life of its own. I mean, it's going everywhere. I mean, Medicaid itself trying to get that in. And that's controversial enough. And the fact that you that y'all were able to get this passed is incredible that you're able to do that. You are correct, and we also, if you can believe this, we were able to make some real strides on behalf of public education, despite the fact that in 1969 the United States Supreme Court said explicitly to Mississippi and the rest of the country, you might as well accept the reality of it. Segregation is dead. It should have been dead all along but it's dead now, and when the court said that, as you would imagine, Marshall, people all over the state just absolutely abandoned public education. I was serving on the education committee, and when we met following that decision, the chairperson of the committee said, with respect to the minimum foundation bill, which is the bill for public education, he said, the State Department of Education wants me to introduce this bill, but I'm not going to do it. If anybody here wants to, he can. There were people serving on the committee, Marshall, who had been in the legislature about as long as I've been alive. <laughs> so I waited, gave them at least 15 seconds, and I said, knowing that I had to do it, I said, Yes, I will introduce that bill. And when when the meeting was over, Lonnie Lonnie Smith from down in Pearl River County came up to me and said, Now, Jimmy, I'm going to sign with you, but don't drop the bill in the hopper until we get a majority on the committee to sign it. So I carried that bill around in my pocket, Marshal, until uh, finally I got to a majority to sign. Every time I ran into one of my colleagues from the committee, I would say something like, well, you know, your people are counting on you to do the right thing. So finally we got a majority, which meant we could get the bill out of committee. And once that kind of bill hits the floor, very few people would actually say, yeah, I'm, I'm opposed to public education. Well, Obviously, very few would be that foolish and that backward. So we not only passed that bill, we actually gave the teachers a raise. We didn't simply maintain the status quo. We improved public education. And uh, that's another thing Walter Brown and I are kind of proud of, Marshall. Yeah, it was funny. I was looking. I think I found a New York Times article talking about the elections you were in and described you both as moderate. <laughs> Back in the time, I thought that was kind of funny. Um, I like that a little bit. Ronnie, I, you know, I mean, obviously, you live and die and breathe, you know, MPB and PBS and so forth. Uh, do you have any questions or any thoughts about, you know, on the beginning of what it had to be like, you know, when that legislation was coming through? You know, I'm, I, I'll just be honest. I'm just very, very grateful and I feel honored 
you know, that Jimmy and, and Walter are here in my presence because I was I was eight years old when uh, when ETB was founded. So you were watching it. it well, yeah, I was yeah. I was living in rural North Mississippi, South Tiller, Mississippi. Uh, you know, there was no there were no cable no cable services out that way. We only had that big antenna outside that you had to go outside. Anybody had recollections of having to, you had to turn it? We turned the pole to try to get a channel. Well, we had this this channel coming in very clearly. You know, it was ETV. And all of a sudden, my, you know, opened up a world for me. It opened up, you know, it opened up Sesame Street and, eat, and uh, Electric Company and a whole lot of other shows that that were just, you know, eat, Mississippi Public Broadcasting, formerly known as ETV, was really doing big shows. We had we had Eudora Welty in the building. We had Willie Morris in the building. We had all these. We had Pearl Bailey in the building. We had we have we have photos of all the stars who came through our building. We had Raymond Burr not narrating programs. Lauren Bacall. I mean, in the early days of uh, M- uh, ETV. I mean, this was a star-studded place. I mean, it was amazing. And to think that I'm talking to two gentlemen who had such a role in starting it, I mean, I am just in heaven right now to, to listen to how it started and realizing that nothing is easy when you start. Yeah. And and realizing today that it's, it's, it's up to us, it's up to Marshall, it's up to, it's up to Java, it's up to all of us here to carry that mantle and, and really honor these folks for what the sacrifices they made and the fact that Jimmy had to carry around the bill in his pocket getting folks to sign it as he saw them. Well, I can I understand mean, how his wife said yes now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's just a great story. He's obviously, you are a master salesman. That's just a great story, just a great story. Well, you know, it's, it's not only just the start in '69. It's uh, it's what hap- has happened since that time. Yeah, uh, I remember one particular lady, uh, Miriam Simmons from uh, Columbia, who was a strong advocate for the passage and very helpful. And also, uh, she served on the IHL board and served in the legislature. Uh, and her being on the IHL board, which is always, back then anyway, had influence over educational television and public radio. Uh, her being on those boards, uh, and in, in a very wise move, too, uh, Mr. Cochran, the superintendent of Cochran of Hines County, was the father of Thad Cochran, and he was the first member of the board appointed by John Bell Williams. And I say that to say that after that period of time, uh, we we ended up... Senator Cochran was very kind to Mississippi, I'll say that, not only on ETV and public radio, but everything. But public radio has made such an impact. Uh, You know, uh, I was telling Marshall before we started that, you know, every Friday night at my house, you watch Judy Woodruff first. Uh, That's the first thing. that, uh, And then followed by Washington Week and then followed by conversations uh, with Marshall. Uh, It's that kind of continuity and, and the word conversations is really what I, what I heard, Marshall, in this context. Public radio is a conversation. Right. You know, when I listen to uh, Sylvia Pajoli, of course, I listen to her just to hear her say her name at the end. <laughs> <laughs> she, you know, people like that, Susan Stamberg, uh, and the Ken Burns series you put on mm-hmm. uh, ETV, that, uh, it, it's just been a... It's been a, a sequence of events and people who have made this work. And it, you know, the start was one thing, but uh, that's all we did was start it. You know, it, you guys have carried the load, and people like Miss Simmons and 
others, uh, Mr. Cochran. Uh, that that's that's what you know. I, I read somewhere that your mission, our mission of NPR, was to uh, to create an uh, an engaged and uh, informed citizenry, and that's exactly what how I see it. And the conversations that take place, particularly on public radio, uh, I've got a friend, uh, a big Republican, and uh, I mean, I mean, crusty Republican. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I asked him, this was years ago, but I asked him, you know, we were talking about, you know, he just can't get listen, find real good news anymore. And he says he listened every morning to All Things Considered and Morning Edition. Yeah. That's where he got his news from. So it. It impacted a lot of people, and for the good. So thank you guys. Oh, you're welcome. I mean, I've always felt like this radio show and conversations both, I'm just a caretaker, you know. And and one thing I've, of course, I've had this long career as a cartoonist in Mississippi for 25 years. But for me, I always feel like being able to bring people on and, and talk to them and have these conversations and find out more about their lives and about Mississippi is the true gift that I like to be able to give back to this state that's given me so much because it's unbelievable. And I, I just wanted to say thank you and to Jimmy both for doing what you did so that I have a right to be able to sit here behind this microphone. Marshall, I'll tell you the story real quick. You know, um, every year in February, we, uh, well before COVID, would go to Washington, D.C., and we'd have a meeting of the advocacy group for public media. It's called America's Public Television Stations. And one day we have what we call Capitol Hill Day. Yeah, and I will tell you that starting in 2012, I got here in 11, uh, in August 11. So in 12, I started to go into Capitol Day, and there was a guy who, you know, some some lawmakers won't see you. Some lawmakers say I'm too busy and all that. There's one guy who never turned me down. His name's Thad Cochran. Yeah, and every year I'd go to his office. And we would sit down, and he would tell me the first thing he would say, and I had to listen to it every year now. Yeah. The first thing he would say is, "You know, my dad had a lot to do with forming the ETV." <laughs> I heard that story every year. So when he passed away, I wrote a column about uh, the, the Senator Cochran, and also when he passed away, MPB had in its archives when he was a congressman in 1974. And we had Bill Miner interviewing him, him, and Bill Miner says, well, I got this young fellow over here, and I wonder one day if he might go to the U.S. Senate. Oh, well, that's funny. He, uh, he, he, did. Did, he did go to the U.S. Senate, and he made, a, he made his mark in the U.S. Senate. And when I would go up there when he was appropriations chairman in the Senate, I'm telling you, his support staff, the hallway of his support staff was long as a football field. And do you know the pride as a Mississippian that I felt to see that one of our people, one of our folks from Pontotoc, Mississippi, grew, born in Jackson, spent a lot of time in Jackson, born in Pontotoc, would have that much power. But he would always tell me, I'm glad to visit with you, but I'm always going to be a supporter of ETV. <laughs> That's awesome. That is awesome. Walter, I, I still I'm trying to you know wrap my head around that special session. The fact that if it had not been that perfect storm, which of course you don't want to say that in the, the year that you had Camille, of course, because that was a very imperfect storm. But you probably wouldn't have been able to get it done just any other time, would you? You know, probably not. It just uh, when we had the time. I yeah. Mean, you know when when you Medicaid was handled pretty well by five or six people, yeah. and it, it was complicated. Milton Case was the chairman of the House. 
and Milton did a great job. But it, it took a lot of time, and at the same time that was going on, uh, the highway program, a $300 million highway program was being passed. Uh, so it was, it, it, you just had time without, there were those of us who were not on those committees. We're sitting around drinking coffee. So. That's right, as freshmen, uh, that we were able to, you know, get folks excited about this. i got to mention this. Uh, my good friend John Maxey, living now in North Mississippi, uh, John, I think, was on your board, and he was on the foundation I recall early uh, his wife, Melody, saying to the children, had a sign up in the dining room where the TV was, was, ETV or no TV. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Tell you what, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to continue this conversation. Uh, Folks, if you've ever wondered how MPB came to be, well, today's show is for you. Of course, you can always drop us uh, a email at marshall at mpb online or give us a call at 877 mpb ring that is 877-672-7464 getting comments would love to hear from you this is now you're talking on mpb think radio hi i'm jason klein from fix it 101 if you ever thought about changing the doorknob or fixing a leaky faucet some jobs just aren't that difficult and yes you can do it if you want to find out how to do those things listen to fix it 101 podcast everywhere Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I am your host, Marshall Ramsey. Hope you're having a great Monday today. Gorgeous all across the great state of Mississippi. And you know what? I think one of the blessings of Mississippi has been Mississippi Public Broadcasting. And I'm not just saying that because you're listening to Mississippi Public Broadcasting, but because I've been a huge fan since the day I moved here 25 years ago. But 50 years ago, or 51 years ago, MPB, of course, was ETV back then, and it came up on the air. And, you know, I always wondered, how did the sausage get made? I'd like to use that analogy. Uh, But we've been finding that out a little bit today. And also, too, you can ask questions as well. And of course, you just give us a call at 877-MPB-RING. That is 877-672-7464. And of course, we have a caller on the line. We have Mike from Natchez. Hello, Mike. What's your question or comment for our guest today? Well, I've known Walter Brown for 20 years, and I never realized the impact he had on MPB or Medicaid in this state. And he's one of my local heroes, and I just want to shout out to Walter and say thank you, Walter, for all you've done. Thank you, Mike. That's awesome. Thank you, Mike. That's a great call. Appreciate that. So, um, yeah, you really, I mean, like I said, I, I knew you were a part of this, but that special session must have been a lot of fun. And you said that first year you were in the session was, like, really an education. Oh, absolutely. You just, uh, particularly in 1969 for the reasons I mentioned a while ago, there was so much else going on and we stayed so long. uh, That was an opportunity to bring this up. And I'm confident uh, that people like Miss Simmons and Mr. Cochran, uh, you know, John Bell was from uh, from Raymond out there. And so when you're the superintendent of education of the county school system, uh, you have great influence. And and John Bell accepted that on Medicaid and on ATV and public radio. And that was a that was critical. Wow, great. And we we got uh, Java, we got a caller? Let me, oh, sorry, we're working right now. Okay, very good. I do have, I do have yeah. a question for both sure. Jimmy and for Walter. So today, in, in this in this media explosion that we're having, all these people have all these different choices for TV. And, you know, so we're in great competition with a lot of stations. And at the legislature, some people think, well, 
ETV, MPB may be a thing of the past. What would be your answer to the, to the people who, who would say those kinds of things? I would say it's the hope for the future because it's uh, national media nowadays, you know, you get some, quote, news stations, channels that are really all commentary. I won't get into which ones, but uh, you can depend on PBS, like I mentioned, uh, Judy Woodruff on uh, her program at 6 o'clock every night. Uh, that's where a lot of people get their news, and it does have influence. I, oh, I, I, I think you're here to stay, Ronnie. I, I, don't, I don't think, uh, I, I guess, uh, just keep asking those folks for the letters and contributions. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's, that's critical. And the legislature could probably play a better role. Uh, we, I looked at this bill from last year, FY21, and I see that, uh, you know, I guess you had a total of about a $12 million budget. Uh, that includes uh, two-thirds of that is from, from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting and other sources. I think uh, people just really need to support educational television and Mississippi Public Broadcasting and support it financially, not, not just if, – if you do that uh, and if the legislature can do better with respect to the general fund appropriation they make uh, – and hopefully today's, if anybody's listening, I hope yeah. today uh, can can profit from that. Jimmy, Definitely. what do you think? Jimmy? Yes, yes. My comment, to strengthen what you all are saying, I very much appreciate the fact, Marshall, that it's uh, MPB Think Radio. I don't know who was smart enough to come up with that, uh, but... Whoever that person was, that is a wonderful way to tell the story right there with just those few words. MPB Think Radio. Bless you. Well, and I, and I got to say, I mean, and I'm very proud of all the other hosts here that I love to listen to their shows because we do so much local content, which is very unusual, actually, to do that as well. We have Richard from Natchez who has a comment. Hey, Richard, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you for having me. Uh, I just wanted to say, Marshall, I enjoy your program. I listen to you every week. Thank you. I'm 70 years old now. When I was 19, I was hired by MAETV. Nice. Mississippi Authority for Educational Television. Now, they brought the first crew over from Georgia because Georgia had an ongoing ETV program. And there were seven of us young kids that were hired to be cameramen, sound men, lighting. And we came to work when they were still under construction on Ridgewood Road. Oh, wow. Wow. So you're, I, you're, a, yeah, you're a plank holder. I mean, you really are. Congratu I mean, thank you for calling in. This is awesome. Oh, man, it makes the hair raise up on the back of my neck. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I loved it. Uh, we did Eudora Welty. We did uh, BB's Cover the Globe. We covered, uh, you know, Blues Mississippi. We covered Art uh, of the Day. Uh, it was a wonderful experience. I will never, ever forget it. I stayed there for about a year and a half before I went into the Air Force. Oh, that's incredible. So what did you end up doing? I mean, how long did you stay in the Air Force? Uh, four years. Okay. You know. Okay. 
So I just didn't know if you need more TV. But that, that's a, you were so you were there. I need to bring you in for a guest one for a show too to what it was like here at the very beginning. I can imagine the building actually probably smelled new at that point. Hey, it was still under construction, man. Well, it still is we, under construction. Huh? I said it's still under construction. In fact, they're working right outside the window right now. Yeah, no, but uh, in the main showroom, yeah, I mean, we were setting up the uh, uh, the, the curtains, you know, the sound curtains, the sound walls, yeah. and everything else. And we helped out with the sound department, the lighting department. I operated a camera. Well, if you ever get up this way, let us know. We'll come give you a tour and let you see what the place looks like these days. That'd be great. Hey, look, we got to go. Thank you so much for the call, Richard. Um, this has turned out to be a fantastic show. Walter, Jimmy, both of you, thank you so much for reaching out to us and coming to tell this story because, like I said, this is going to be archived. This was just absolutely wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. How nice of you to say that. Yeah, and I don't normally say nice things. So, I mean, it's uh, I mean it this time. It's incredible. Hey, thank you to both. Thanks to Ronnie Agnew as well for sitting in. Always good to have him on the show as well. And thank you, Java, for producing. Of course, this is a production, Now You're Talking, is a production of MPB Think Radio. I want to thank our guests, Walter Brown and Jimmy Robertson. And, of course, coming up next is Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit with Josie Bidwell. So join us next week. We're going to have... Actually, we're going to have a repeat next week because it's Thanksgiving. So if I won't be able to tell you this live, have a happy Thanksgiving. I am thankful for you. And uh, we'll be back. This is Now You're Talking here on MPB Think Radio. Y'all have a great week.